Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in Paul's letter to the Philippians, reading there in the first chapter, the seventh verse. I have you in my heart. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house, and you also, Christian friends, who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. I hope that all of us are happy on this occasion to be worshiping our Christ at this time. As all of us know, this Sunday, this day, is rather a special and significant Sunday in the history of our congregation. First of all, this is the Sunday after Christmas, and we stand, as it were, in the Christmas afterglow. We have just recently been down to Bethlehem. And then today marks the last Sunday of the year 1972. And then this day also marks my last Sunday as your pastor, the pastor of Emmanuel Lutheran Church. You say, what do you say on an occasion like this? Thirty-five years as your pastor, thirty years as your radio pastor. I have not done this very often, as I know that you realize. My first parish, I served at Grace Lutheran Church at Eaton, Ohio, for six years. Then I came here, and this has been my ministry for 35 years. In thinking about a farewell a message to bring you today, I thought of St. Paul, the great apostle, and his farewell to the Christian congregation at Philippi. You recall that Paul was on his second missionary journey, and he came to the ancient city of Troy, and there he saw the Macedonian calling to him, come over to Macedonia and help us. You remember it was there that he crossed the Aegean and he landed on the continent of Europe, and he went up into Macedonia, and he established the first Christian church on the continent, and it was at Philippi, named after Philip of Macedon, who was the father of Alexander the Great. Years later, Paul was in jail in Rome. As far as he knew, he was going to be beheaded because he was a Christian. And so he wrote this letter to the congregation that he loved so dearly, the Philippian congregation. And this was his farewell to them. He said, Philippians, I have you in my heart. In simple language, he said, Philippians... I love you. And today, as my farewell message to you, I use the words of St. Paul, I have you in my heart. I love you. I care deeply for you. You may say, why? And I am quick to answer the reason why I love you and why I have you in my heart is because for 35 years you have given me a great and grand privilege 
of presenting to you Jesus Christ, the Christ of love. And today will be no different from any other Sunday. I would like to again use that privilege which you have given me to bring you Christ, the Christ of love, once more. I love you, I have you in my heart, because I do appreciate the very privilege, blessed and beyond description, that has been mine. And I would bring you again in appreciation this Christ of love, the Christ, the manger child of Bethlehem. As I have said, we have just been down to Bethlehem. We looked at the Christ child and last Sunday we said, why, he is no less than Emmanuel. He is Imanu Elohim. He is God with us in human flesh. What a Christ. No less than God. And I want to assure you that this is the only Christ that has ever been preached in this pulpit. We are not ashamed of the deity of Jesus Christ. This is what you have wanted to hear. And this is what you have heard. That he was no less than God. And that he was born of a virgin. Born without sin. This has been the message that Emmanuel has had in 35 years, in years before that. He is no less than deity. He is no less than virgin born without sin. We have not been ashamed of that message because that's what the Word of God says. And this has been my privilege to have brought you this Christ. And thus the great blessing that as God and man, he was big enough to be our Savior, and that he was pure enough to be our Savior, to be without sin, and that he loved us so very much that the God-man came into this world and dwelt among us. I have you in my heart. I love you for that privilege. For the privilege that has been mine for 35 years, uh, presenting to you this Christ of love, the Christ of the cross. In 35 years, there has not been one Sunday that I have missed speaking about the Christ of Calvary. Like St. Paul, I have desired to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was always there in some part of the sermon. The Christ of Calvary, that God died for you and me. That in that death on the cross, he bore our guilt and our eternal punishment, bearing it in full. That he bore the equal of an eternity in hell for you and me. And on the cross, he, the God-man, our Savior, he merited a 100% righteousness for all of us, the passport to heaven. This has been the message of the gospel, and this is why I have you in my heart, because you have given me that privilege. This is what you have wanted to hear. This is what the Word of God would want to have us here each Sunday. And to bring you this joy that in him there is deliverance from an eternity in hell, there is the gift of eternal life for all men without exception. This has been my privilege. I have brought Christ and the cross in every Sunday, lest some poor soul would be here or would be listening who would wonder whether there was hope for him being a sinner 
and lost in the sight of God. I have you in my heart. I love you. Because of the privilege that you have given me in these 35 years of presenting to you the Christ of love, the Christ of the empty tomb. We have not been ashamed, have we, in stating that the Christ of the empty tomb means the Christ who physically and bodily arose from the dead. We have made no equivocation about that fact. We have let it be known that we believe in the actual physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. That God raised him up from the dead and that therefore God gave his approval that he accepted the sacrifice of his son in full payment for our sins. And it's been my privilege for 35 years then to bring you the comfort and the assurance that not only must God forgive us when we come to him, but that God gladly and willingly forgives us, that it's the delight of his life, it is the joy of his existence, that we are saved by his amazing grace, that we don't even need one good work, that salvation is God's gift in this Jesus Christ, to anyone who stands before God and admits that he's a sinner and puts his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. This is why I have you in my heart. This is why I love you. This has been a precious privilege, believe me, to hold up to you again this privilege which you have given me of presenting to you the Christ of love who commanded baptism. Do we realize what a tremendous blessing baptism is that Jesus has given? Remember when he talked to Nicodemus that night and Nicodemus wondered how he could be born again, how he could be born a second time, and Jesus said, you've got to be born of water and the Spirit, and that's baptism. That baptism is a washing of regeneration. It is a being born again, and we have thanked him for baptism. That in baptism our children who are born and conceived in sin, who have come into this world not as children of God, not as members of his kingdom, by means of baptism, even though they have not realized it in infancy that God the Holy Spirit, in connection with water and the word of God, kindles a living faith in their hearts, brings them into the kingdom of God, and makes them joint heirs of Christ of eternal life. And as I look at the records in the past 35 years, there have been over 2,200 children's baptisms, over 800 adult baptisms. I thank God for the privilege of declaring to you Jesus, the Christ of love, and his tremendous blessing of Christian baptism. It's no different today than any other Sunday. I simply tell you I love you. I care deeply for you because of the grand privilege which you have given me of showing and presenting to you Jesus Christ, the Christ who has said that all of us are to be his witnesses 
We are to go out and to make disciples of the entire world. Does it do any good to preach Jesus Christ? I came here at the age of 31. I have been here 35 years, so you can see that I have spent over half of my life as your pastor. I preached my introductory sermon here on my 31st birthday, November the 14th, 1937. On the Sunday before my installation, there were exactly 176 people in church. There was no wing. There were not many seats in the balcony because the balcony wasn't necessary. There were 176 people. Hard for us to realize that this morning that Emmanuel was small in those days. Does it do any good to preach the Word of God? The Word of God has been preached in 35 years, and God has blessed it and assured us that His Word never returns in vain. In the children in the confirmation classes who were taught the Word of God, over 1,100 of them have stood at Emmanuel's altar in my ministry and pledged their allegiance to Jesus Christ. I sometimes visualize what it might look like if I could march ahead and they could follow two by two over 1,100 children whom I have loved so very much. Over 4,100 people have been added to the communicant membership of this congregation in the past 35 years. God has blessed it. And as we know that America is known as a nation on wheels, over 1,000 of our members have moved away and have graciously taken their church letter, their membership, continuing in Jesus Christ where they now live. Emmanuel, by the grace of God, has grown to be the largest church in the Ohio district, the largest membership, and a church attendance that averages over 1,000 for each Sunday. Thirty years as your radio minister, I would like to say a few words this morning to you, my friends, who have been worshiping us for years on the radio. Thirty years ago, I went out to see Bob Mason one day, who then was the manager of WMRN. The radio station was in its infancy, and I spoke to him about a broadcast from the church. And I assured him that if we could be on the air and we could share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that never would we in any way jeopardize the program or cheapen it by asking for money that we were interested primarily and alone in men's souls, whether we might not underwrite it ourselves. And it's been a most gracious and commendable act on your part. Not once have we asked for funds over the radio. Not once have we even by innuendo let it be known that we needed funds, but you have underwritten it 30 years, the first of the year. We've been on the air. And I want to thank you who have worshipped with us. It's been a thrill to know that as I preach here, 
that I am speaking perhaps to more non-Lutheran people on Sundays than I am Lutheran. It's been a challenge to speak in terms where the average man who may not have much of a Christian background knows what I am talking about. Twelve sons have entered the ministry, and I say this in all joy and in all humility in my time. The 13th has just graduated and is awaiting a call. Pastor Basler, as you know, the first son of the congregation, but he entered the ministry before my time. I thank God for the privilege of presenting to you Christ, the Christ of love, being assured that God's word does not return void. I have you in my heart. I love you. God has blessed his word. It is my joy again to have the privilege of presenting to you the Christ of love who graced a marriage feast one day. When I think of marriage, I like to realize that it's the one institution that we have, that we have from the Garden of Eden before sin ever came into the world. God, you know, performed the first wedding ceremony when he united Adam and Eve as husband and wife. And God wanted it to be a happy relationship. It was to be a bit of heaven on earth. And our Lord, you recall, when he entered the ministry at the age of 30 after his baptism and after the temptation, he took his disciples and went up to Cain of Galilee. He attended a wedding there. He blessed that wedding. And by his presence, showing that this is a blessing of God, a joy to be sure. When we think of the blessings of God, I look at our record, there have been 1,580 weddings performed during my 35 years of ministry. 1,580 homes established, children coming into those homes, reared in the Word of God, and a little bit of heaven on earth. I have you in my heart. I love you for this privilege. And also for the privilege again to present to you the Christ of love who stood at the tomb of Lazarus in Bethany. Yes, the grim reaper has come quite often too, hasn't he? Jesus he stood, you know, at the tomb of Lazarus, who was dead for four days. Remember when he spoke to Martha and to Mary, he said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, I am the one that raises people from the dead. I am the one that gives eternal life. And he raised Lazarus. It has been my privilege for 35 years to bring you the comfort of Christ, the resurrection and the life when death came into your home. Our records show 1,579 deaths in my 35 years of ministry. Rather interesting, 1,580 weddings, 579 
funerals. One less. It was even up until yesterday noon, the church wedding yesterday afternoon, made it one more wedding than a funeral. Which means that it makes us think, doesn't it? For every wedding, a death. For every home established, an empty chair. I have you in my heart, for I appreciate the great privilege that you have given me of bringing to you this Christ in this 35 years, the resurrection of the life. There have been times after I've had the committal service at the grave that I have stood aside waiting for you to dry your tears and to go back to your cars. And I have just, where I were, would be standing, looked around at the various tombstones to see how many of them were burials that I had made. There were several occasions when I counted as high as eight just in the little spot where I stood. I have you in my heart. I love you because you have given me a precious, incomparable privilege of bringing to you this Christ. The Christ of love who also is the one who promises strength for the day. There have been hours and hours and hours of counseling. You may say to me this morning, what is the main source of trouble in a congregation why people would come? And may I say unequivocally, it's the domestic problem. It's the problem between husband and wife. It's the problem that arises when perhaps the marriage wasn't made in heaven. You see, if husband no longer loves wife and wife no longer loves husband, it's rather easy, isn't it, to dissolve that marriage. Seemingly no one is hurt, but you see, this, this isn't the way it goes. There is usually one in that relationship who loves and who loves the other more than life itself, then there is tragedy for the children and for the wife or for the husband. And to be able to comfort you, to bring you the Christ who says, as our days, so shall our strength be. To give you the assurance that he never puts a 20-ton load on a ton and a half truck to assure you that it only hurts for a little while, but that he gives strength to bear. This has been my privilege. And in the adversities of life, in the misfortunes that have come, to have the privilege of bringing you the Christ who says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The Christ who says, I will overrule all things so that in your heavenward journey it may be difficult, but it will be safe. I thank you for the privilege of 35 years of bringing you the comfort of Jesus Christ, of sharing with you your sorrows, your disappointments, your frustrations, 
your adversities. I have you in my heart. I love you. I think very highly of you because of this privilege, the privilege of bringing you Christ, the Christ of love, who was such a forgiving Jesus. Oh, I like to think of Jesus as one who, when he went about, regardless of what people did to him, he never carried a grudge. He never carried any bitterness. Recall his first words on the cross when they nailed him to Calvary and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was a forgiving Jesus. And oh, that means so much to me because I'm only a human being. And I have served you, and I know I have made mistakes, and I have made many of them. I would like to you this morning that I have never purposely tried to hurt any one of you. I have never deliberately try to arouse any bitterness in you. But I know, as every minister knows, that when you preach the word of God in its truth and purity, that sometimes it hurts. And very often it is very difficult to distinguish between the word and the man who said it. If I have grieved you, I hope that you will pardon me. I have talked about being a doormat for Jesus Christ. I have tried, in the best sense, to be a doormat in Christ, to have you wipe your feet off on me if you so desired, and, and to come up smiling. It's been difficult at times, even as you find it in life to be rather difficult. But oh, to have a forgiving spirit, it's difficult to be a minister. I know that I have mistreated my own family. I know that. You don't know what it is to live in a parsonage. You don't know what it is and how lonely it becomes sometimes for your wife and for your kids. When you are dedicated in the ministry, it's 24 hours a day, it's seven days a week. I know that I have neglected my children. I know that as we planned to do things and we were going someplace to know what it means to have a funeral and have to tell my kids we can't go, there's going to be a funeral. Do you have any idea what it means to be over in church about every night and your family not there? Sometimes you spend one night a week at the church and you think that's quite a bit. Do you ever know what it means to neglect your family? when it's night after night, and I want them to forgive me too. And I'm sure that my kids have, because I didn't know it until I read it in the bulletin, even as you did, that those flowers are from my kids. They must have forgiven me. It means a great deal. But that again, there is still love and there is honor. But oh, that we might have that peace which the world can never understand. I have you in my heart. I, I love you. It is my great privilege that you have given me to present to you the Christ who is going to come back again. Oh, to be able to say he's coming back, this Jesus. 
is going to return and is going to create new heavens and a new earth. We're going to be raised from the dead and we shall have glorified bodies like unto his body. We shall be reunited with our souls washed in his blood and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And this is comfort that makes up for the very worst that life may have dealt you and me in the years that have come and gone. You may say to me today, what is your wish? My wish is this, that you will also continue to love me. I think of one of our shut-ins. She grew old in years. She was thanking me one day for the kindnesses that I had rendered her and her family, a number of funerals. She was so appreciative and so gracious in her thanks. And I shall never forget her because through the years, whenever my birthday came or Christmas, there was always a personal gift from her, either on my birthday or on Christmas and sometimes both. She never forgot. And just a little over a year ago, before she was taken from us, in ministering to her one day, she paid me a tremendous compliment. And I shall never forget it. It was a great honor. She called me Reverend Schillinger. Some of you may I will have to say, those of you who did not know him, that Reverend Schillinger was my predecessor. He served Emmanuel for 28 years before my ministry of 35 years, mine the longest in the history of the congregation. Yet here was one of God's children who called me Reverend Schillinger. Those of you who knew him loved him as a man of God. And to me it was an honor to be called by his name. But it meant something else, friend, that here was one of our shut-ins Think of it, after nearly 35 years being her pastor, she remembered and still she loved Reverend Schillinger, who had been the pastor in her youth. She had a big heart. It was so big that she had learned to love two ministers dearly. I know you're going to love Pastor Rave. I know that. We prayed and a call committee was appointed and they prayed and asked the guidance of God. They interviewed various pastors. They went to hear them. And they were convinced and they brought word back to us that Pastor James Rave was the man who should be the next pastor of this congregation. He is 37 years of age. He comes with the exuberance of youth with again the tremendous joy and drive of youth that he will bring. There will be changes. They tell me he is an eloquent speaker. I know you're going to love him. And it is my joy to take what we have here and to put it into his hands. And I'm sure it's going to be in good hands. A recent appraisal has appraised professionally our investment here is over a million dollars. It is a joy to hand it to Pastor Rave, and I know that you will love him. And my prayer is this, that perhaps you can find your heart big enough 
that not only will you love him, but in a corner of it, you will also love Hollinson too. That it's possible to love two ministers. I told you one day that there are only three ways for a man to get out of the ministry. You remember I told you it's either that he walks out or that he's carried out or that he is thrown out. God has blessed me in 41 years in the ministry that I have never missed a Sunday because of illness. And it just seemed to be the right thing, prayerfully, as I took it to him, that this was the best time to go when I could still walk out. Oh, I appreciate your words of kindness and your goodwill, your expressions of appreciation and your wishes that I may have remained. I appreciate even the sentiments of some of you and said, rather than have it this way, we'd rather carry you out. I appreciate that very, very much. But may I say this, it seems best. As Alfred Lord Tennyson put it so beautifully, the old order changeth, yielding place to new. And God fulfills himself in many ways lest one good custom should corrupt the world. I hope that you could find it in your heart to love me too. It's been a joy. It's been a tremendous privilege to have walked the glory road with you. I have smiled with you, and I have cried with you. And as we stand in the afterglow of Christmas, this is my final sermon to you as your pastor. We can walk the glory road and we go back again to Bethlehem and we are on our knees and we see the manger child. He is no less than Emmanuel, God, with us. And it's my joy to point you to him again through our tears and through our smiles. And to say, look at him, O oh God, how great thou art, how great thou art, how great thou art. You see, I love you, I have you in my heart, amen.